were narrowed down to 125 guys in the FedEx Cup playoffs and a reminder that the best place to be tracking who is going to be advancing on to the remaining FedEx Cup events is the PGA Tour app. Go to the FedEx Cup tab and then click on the projected standings. You're going to get hole-by-hole updates on who's in and who's out. I'm not even sure how this is possible considering I'm gaming the Callaway Epic Sub-Zero 3-Wood and the thing is an absolute rocket launcher, but we're going to talk a bit more later in the show about the Steelhead XR Fairway Wood from Callaway and its recontoured Hawkeye sole. But for now, let's get to the podcast. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Wanted to take an episode to debrief on a recent trip a few of us took to the Sand Hills area in North Carolina. Uh, played a few rounds at Pinehurst and also I uh, snuck in a round at Mid Pines and Pine Needles and uh, a lot to a lot to debrief on. I know uh, again these travel episodes are appreciated by some. Some skip these so. Uh, if you're not interested in hearing about golf travel, please move along, carry on. There's plenty of other episodes out there for you. But for those that uh, do give us feedback on these episodes and do appreciate them, we uh, we thank you for that. So uh, I'm going to give you a little preview of what is to come. So Big Randy was only able to join us for one day out at Pinehurst. Uh, so we wanted to, I wanted to get his thoughts on number two. He was lucky enough to play number two. Um, so he is up first. We go about 10 minutes there. And then Brendan Porath from SB Nation was with me for the remaining two days at Pinehurst. Uh, we got to play courses 7, 9, 4, and then number 2 again. Uh, so I wanted to get his input on that. And then afterward, I went and played Mid Pines and Pine Needles uh, solo. So I'm going to debrief a bit on the, the amazing work that's being done there and kind of the eye-opening experience I had there. Uh, first, we're going to rave a bit about our experience at Pinehurst. Uh, it's, it was, we were pretty blown away, which I think you'll see here pretty quickly, about how much fun it was and, and the overall vibes of the course and, uh, and all the courses in the overall resort. So uh, awesome trip, amazing trip. We did not make it out to uh, there's a lot of courses. A lot of people came up with a lot of recommendations for Dormy Club, um, for Tobacco Road, for Southern Pines, for all kinds of courses in the area. Don't have enough time to get to all of them, unfortunately, but we're definitely going to go back to the area and uh, we'll definitely uh, take you guys up on all those recommendations and appreciate people sending those in. But for now, let's get to Big Randy, then we'll go with uh, Porath, and then I'll debrief a bit at the end. So thanks for tuning in. All right, first up, we're going to welcome in Big Randy. Uh, Randy, unfortunately, you were only able to join us uh, for one day at number two, but I think you would uh, you would say right off the bat it was definitely worth a worthwhile trip uh, from Charlotte. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, and by the way, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. This is my first time on the uh, on the mothership in a while. It has been a while. Yeah. Um, no, it, it was it was really cool. It was you know I was fortunate to uh, to be a part of it. Um, I'd been to Pinehurst. Actually, a couple times before that, had never played number two, um, but really liked, you know, it's just got a good feel. That, that little kind of small town of Pinehurst around the resort, um, 
you know, that that's more my vibe. I, I kind of like, you know, the pines, the, the, the Southern, uh, hospitality, it just, everything agrees with me. So I was, I was really excited to get over there and, you know, with the chance to play number two, you know, all, all the better. Well, did anything surprise you from the golf course? I mean, you've seen, you've been there before you've watched opens on TV. Um, but is there anything you walked away from that you were kind of surprised by? I was, you know, I was, I, I did not have a good range session before our round, <laughs> <laughs> kind, kind of per usual for me. And so, you know, I was getting pretty anxious about, oh God, I'm going to be spraying the ball and, and all that stuff. Um, and so I think what I was most surprised about on the walk over to the first tee, our caddy, who actually was carrying both of our bags, uh, shout out John, he was like, you know, I, I had warned him, hey, man, I've been <laughs> kind of sideways. I, I hope this isn't too much of a of an army march for you. Um, and he was like, dude, you know, you, you just need one ball. We're going to find it. Um, and he, he was exactly right. You know, as the round unfolded, I, I think my what I was most surprised about was I, I, I could find my ball and I could play it. And really towards the flag, it, you know, all all but maybe two shots, you know, I, I could play it in the direction right at the flag. So that was, you know, for, for a double-digit handicapper such as myself, that was that was a very pleasant surprise. That was awesome. I think John picked up our bags and was like, felt they they were pretty heavy, and I didn't even even say to you, you don't need to bring more than one ball out here, and you're like. Well, well, I think I might bring a couple more just in case. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that was the discussion. I'm like, you know, hey, please let me know how I can lighten this bag. And yeah, he was like, dude, we can get rid of like all these balls. You just need one. I'm like, I don't know. Man. <laughs> I, you didn't just see that range session I put together. Um, but yeah, he was exactly right. It was great. Were there any stretches on the course that you found like the most memorable or some of your favorite some of your favorite holes out there? Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, um, you know, for whatever reason, kind of going out number four and then coming back five uh, really stood out to me. I, I, I can just I can close my eyes and picture that view from 4T, uh, long par four. Um, it, I, I think it kind of captures everything Pinehurst is about. Difficult hole. Um, I, I made a, a big number. But I, I thought, you know, for, for whatever reason, those two holes – uh, really stood out to me and I, I think the other you know kind of number one green you know your first kind of oh my god yeah th these are the green complexes on number two I that stood out and then coming home 18 with the clubhouse there I'd, I'd walked past that a few times before uh, but to finally kind of get to play up and and complete the round there that that sticks out what is what is after playing it? What is your way of playing a shot from around the green? I know it's going to vary, but do you have an overall? Are you are you saying let's chip this? Are you are you reaching for the putter? What's what's how are you playing from off the greens? That's that's a great question. So I started out. Uh, I, I was giving, I, I was giving Pinehurst a lot of respect. So I started out, you know, keeping it low, getting trying to get cute with like hybrids around the green, uh, taking putter from you know, eight, 10 feet off the green. And I, it, it wasn't, you know, I, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. You know, certainly you can play that shot. And then towards the end, and I think my score kind of had a little bit to do with it. You know, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't scoring it that well, but 
I think they're kind of midway through the back nine. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to start. So I started, I, I took my six degree wedge and, and started just trying to really clip a couple uh, pitch shots and um, play it more through the air. And, and I had much more success doing that. But I say all that, I, I you know, if, if I played it again, uh, and if I played it again uh, another 10 times, I'm not sure that's the best way. Um, but I think what stood out was you can really do whatever you want. You know, there, there are so many different shots and, and ways to play shots around those greens. That's that's what really, you know, made the round fun. I think there was, I'm not even sure if we talked about this, but there's a, there's a poster somewhere in the, in the restaurant there that talks about, uh, it has like a picture of like six or eight different slopes and, and the way that Donald Ross approach slopes or humps and bumps or in you know you kind of look around the greens and you think they're all kind of the same and then I, I saw that poster before playing that for the second time and realized just how different every single green complex was and the slopes around the green and how much thought went into it from ross's perspective on you know the slope that is almost vertical that goes straight up a hill versus a subtle one or one that just has like a double bump in it and all these things and I don't think I noticed it the first time around, really, but it helps so much to see that sign and realize, wow, there's this much thought goes in, goes into every every single bump out there. There's nothing like that happens out there that's by accident. Yeah, yeah. See that 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 was cool. You guys, I know, got to play it a second time uh, later that week. It, I, that's kind of how I left our round. Was man, I'd, I'd love to get back out there and, and keep kind of experimenting and and toying with different shots. Because it felt possible after it didn't feel impossible. But like we, I think all of us that first round just kept getting tripped up doing dumb stuff. But it wasn't like, man, this course cannot be beaten. I mean, it's just such a, I don't know. I was blown away by how fun the challenge was. That's that was my thing. We all kind of walked off feeling like we got our asses kicked a bit. But it was like the most fun way to get your ass kicked. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, and I think too is like I was, I, I was kind of deferential to the to the greens a little bit like you know in in hindsight i wish i would have grabbed the 60 degree a little bit more often earlier in the round you know open open the club face up a little bit and and really try to you know play that shot even if it's not the most advisable um i I think i was much more defensive um and i think visually that's kind of what you know you can be lulled into visually oh man uh very intimidating shot and and kind of get psyched out or at least i was (laughs) well i started i i when i was taking my 60 degree i caught myself trying to talk myself into a certain shot by being like all right if i'm gonna i'm gonna nip this wedge i'm gonna land it on the on this like one foot wide upslope and then it's gonna have spin so when it gets on the downslope it'll hold the downslope and then trickle down to the hole and I, after blading like two of them, I was like, do you, do you actually hear what you're telling yourself? Like, <laughs> yeah. You are not capable of these shots. And from then, second time around, I was grabbing putter, man. I grabbed putter from, from and that's just kind of, I, I went full Keimer. And once you kind of commit to that, I think, uh, you know, you're, you're eliminated. You get so, you can get tripped up and make double bogey so fast. One bad chip, oh, one yeah. chip over the green, it's double easily. And, you know, I kind of just eliminated the double in that regard and just started putting things, but to each their own. But yeah. I made the comparison on Twitter. I, maybe some folks saw it, but kind of my my best way to describe playing it's almost in baseball terms, right? You watch a baseball game and they'll describe, you know, facing a certain type of pitcher. Guys can have a really comfortable over four, and I, I felt like you know that that kind of described 
my round. And it's like, you know, you can feel like you're hitting it pretty well and, you know, you're not making terrible mistakes, but, uh, you know, a, a little loose putt around the green, a, a chip that doesn't get executed quite right, and all of a sudden it's a bogey or a double bogey. And you, you don't really have the the traumatic, oh, my God, that was such a terrible miss. But it's, you know, it, you add them up at the end, it's like, oh, that wasn't a very good – that wasn't a very good score. Um, and I think that's the beauty of the golf course. You know, I, I, I'm not uh, – certainly architecture buff, some other people are, but reading like Alistair McKenzie's Spirit of St. Andrews, that, that's one of the things he talks about. It's like a good golf course should be very fair, very playable. It, it shouldn't – you know, it, it shouldn't be this – gauntlet or this death march for kind of mid to high handicappers um and while having enough nuance to to really challenge the 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 really good players and i thought pinehurst that kind of for me that's that's what i came away from number two thinking that was the biggest takeaway for me again we you got you and you and brennan shot i think in the 90s and again, in our group, we didn't lose a ball. And I've said this like five times, but that just blows my mind. How we didn't look for a ball once and how, you know, you, it, there's definitely sufficient tests, but without having to hunt for your ball all day. So, yeah, challenging to all players and especially some, some really nuanced challenges to, to the pros and, the, and, the, and, the tr- and all the, you know, the tournament competitors that play that course. It speaks to the volumes of the quality of that course, but you did get to stay a night with us in the villas. Uh, what were you, what was your takeaway with the vibe in the villas? Yeah, that was sweet. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. Um, we didn't I, fill it out it, enough. We needed more I, people. No, that was, that was the thing. We didn't really take advantage of it. Um, but we got to see it. We got to see it. We got, and we know when we come back, what, what we need to blow, blow that, blow that place out. Yeah, I, I'd love to go back and, and, and do it right. I mean, th- those villas beg to be, you know, you, you, you got to do those properly. Um, big card table, big screen TV. I mean, you, you got to pop some beers, maybe play some cards, watch a game at post round. And we, we just didn't have the manpower or really the time or, or resources to do that. But, yeah, the, the villas were sweet next time around so well we were sorry to have to uh say goodbye to you then and uh, and now as well we're gonna get here shortly i uh, had a conversation again with brennan porath who had a bit of extra time we spent three days there phil was only able here to join us for one but uh randy thanks for sharing your thoughts and thanks for coming along and uh like you said we're gonna have to we're gonna we're going back there as soon as number four gets renovated that we're going back yeah man thanks for having me on I'm, you- I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it before we get to Brennan Porath, let's take a quick minute to hear from Callaway Golf, the makers of the number one fairway woods in golf. Uh, so by now, I'm sure you've heard of the latest fairway wood from Callaway, which is a supercharged version of a name you are already familiar with. It's a new steelhead XR fairway wood, and with the recontoured Hawkeye sole and explosive face cut technology, Steelhead XR is longer and more versatile than ever. I'm kind of I'm blown away by the fact that, w- that there's another three wood in this collection of because I, I mentioned in the in the intro I'm gaming the Epic Sub Zero three wood and I've never hit a three wood more consistent or further in my life. The thing just shoots missiles up into the sky. So now I'm only I'm curious as to what this Steelhead XR is capable of. You can go it's available now so go get it. Go hit it for yourself at your nearest golf shop today. Callaway the number 1 fairway wood in golf. 
All right, next we're welcoming in Brendan Porath. Brendan was the only one that was capable of the group of uh, joining me for all three days that we spent at Pinehurst. BP, how you uh, how you recovering? You sound a little rough on your end. <laughs> capable, man. Yeah, I was I soldiered through it. You know, three <laughs> days of golf was so hard. But yeah, I'm actually under the weather now. I came back to uh, a wife that was kind of out of patience and had no time, no time for my shit. Uh, and a couple sick, ki- couple sick kids who promptly got me sick. It was kind of like a, a the harshest possible reintroduction to the real world. So I, I'm here, but I'll I'll get through it. You know, you, you're so brave. You know, that's what I that's what I <laughs> admire the most about you. But uh, uh, I think you know, with the busy family life you have back home, I would imagine you you could have. There, there's not many people that could have appreciated those few days away and uh, at Pinehurst as you could have. Yeah, I mean, it was it was perfect. I, I told you a couple times, like, it was kind of like a cannibal run to get over there from Charlotte. You know, like, the, the Monday after a major can be hectic. Sunday night, Saturday night, you know, we're late nights. You're writing through the night. You're working on stuff. And <clears throat> Monday morning, I'm checking out. I'm, I'm hustling to get out of there. And then, like, as soon as I got there, I, I thought I, I was kind out of out of energy. As soon as I got there, I was just kind of like, you know, it's corny as hell to say, but it's like invigorating, you know, just kind of just taking it all in you place you've heard so much about and then kind of see it and walk on the property for the first time and walk out on the porch, look over kind of that whole scene, like the putting green, the number two tee, the, uh, the 18th green at number two. It was just like, I, I didn't expect to play well. I, I didn't play well. <laughs> um, but it was just it was it was really cool to kind of carve out those three days, even and wedge them in right after work and then before the family life. I think we were both. I mean, we had so much going on, like you said, for the PGA Championship week that it didn't feel like eminent. It wasn't like a big build up to it. It was like, well, we're going to tack yeah. this on to the end. And, uh, and you know, we were both just kind of struggling coming into that. But yeah, you're exactly right. Once we got there, I was like, oh, this is this is really going to happen today. This is like- <laughs> Totally. I just never understood how I've never been there before. I, my my knowledge of Pinehurst is limited to what I'd seen on TV from number two. Um, I never re, I just always wondered like how do you fit eight courses onto one property? Which right. we'll find out. There's only I think four at that initial the at, at where number two is. There's four courses, uh, but still struggled with understanding how you could sprawl out that many that many golf courses across the property. Then only to learn that there's like. 40 courses within this sand hills area and we got plenty of recommendations of other courses to play in the area we don't have unlimited time unfortunately but um we arrived and i i i I haven't talked to randy yet but randy is going to be the first part of the audio of this podcast we arrived and played number two day of uh what what is what was i guess anything that surprised you about number two or your initial reaction to playing number two for the first time um, here's what I would say. Like, I am, I'm not that good a golfer as you can attest after 90 holes. What? what? Uh, no. <laughs> I've been like adequate at certain points in my life, but I'm certainly not very good right now. Um, and so you go to some of these, I've, I've played, I've been fortunate to play some great courses, but you go to some of these great courses and it like, doesn't really matter if you're, or, or much hyped courses, I should say, maybe they're not great, but hyped certainly and expensive. You go to some of these courses and as like, as a poor golfer, a mediocre golfer, it just kind of is, you know, it's beautiful, it's well-maintained, but maybe you can't appreciate, um, 
kind of the hype or appreciate why it stands out from the rest. I thought like number two, I got my butt kicked. I got just crushed that first day. I was I was struggling to break a hundred. <laughs> I did, but I mean it was it was. I'll be honest with you. Like I'm not usually that high, but yeah, I was struggling. But it was so. But just it was like enjoyable. I could appreciate why it was so great. I like you kept talking about how we didn't lose a ball. Um, it, I, for like the, the poor golfer, it was still really fun. And and I, I had just come off like a family trip to Kiowa, <clears throat> not to, I, and Kiowa is beautiful and like fantastic in its own right. But like some of the other court, like I played a Nicholas course there, and it's just like I was wild. I hit it far, but really all over the place. Not far, but I, I hit it pretty well but it all over the place and it's just ob down one side and water down the other right and it's just like you're giving away a dozen golf balls so you can get some of that and you know at number two you'd never lost a ball like you could play out of the waste area most of the time sometimes you couldn't sometimes you're like against a clump of grass and you just had to come out sideways or wherever you could but as like a poor to mediocre golfer i could really appreciate why it was such (laughs) why it was such an excellent course and championship test and, and how, you know, it was just really fun. It was super fun to get your ass kicked, which is, I can't say I've really had that kind of experience on a golf course. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, the, the, a sign of a great well-designed golf course is one that is going to be challenging and playable for a higher handicap player, but there's still a different level of nuance for a lower handicap player or a different level level of challenge. And I think this, this course epitomizes that, perfectly i mean you can it's 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 very playable tee to green i mean you you can hit it pretty much where you want on the tee if you go in the waste areas yeah like you said sometimes it runs up against you know a clump of wire grass and but for the most part that that you can play off that waste area pretty well and it's the challenge is all hitting it in the middle of the green and when when you miss these greens it is so challenging around them so i i kind of always viewed it from the outside as not maybe a bit gimmicky as far as what yeah. how challenging the greens are yeah. And how it just comes down to short game and getting up and down. After playing it, the more I realize is it emphasizes your ball striking. And you've got to hit it into the middle of the green. And once you do that, the course is so playable. Once you're there, it, the greens are still very slopey. They have a beautiful contours to them. And, and it's such a great... They're not, they're not funky once you're on them. They just have these nice, subtle shapes to them. And some putts are, are you know breaking a foot, two feet sideways from eight feet. But... It's not like just humps and bumps that are really random. And I think I got a much more appreciation for the way Donald Ross designed the greens around the difficulty of the of the hole. Like the third green is the hardest one on the course, and that hole tips out at like 350 from the blue tees. And <clears throat> the next hole is 470 from the blue tees, and yeah. it's got one of the more benign greens. Like it, the, the greens match the shape and the difficulty of the hole. And man, like you said, I, I knew it was going to be hard. I did not think it was going to be that fun. I, I had so much fun playing that course. Right. Aesthetically, it's just amazing that that, that the, the restoration that Corin Crenshaw did. I, I'm a, I'm obsessed with that look now, and then we'll talk a bit about number four, which is going about to undergo that that restoration. But man, I just I don't know. It, it was, as soon as you finished it, we I think we were both like, man, I can't wait to play it again. We were fortunate, fortunate enough to play it twice. <clears throat> you play it once, and you're like, I can do better. I can do so much better the second time around. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it, you've played, I, it, like we said, I, we were like, I was exhausted, we were coming in, it was like 2 o'clock, and I did not play well, and normally I'm not enjoyable to play with when I'm not playing well, or, or what I feel like is well, like I was still just kind of super chilled out, and 
just taking it all in, having so much fun. Even, <clears throat> you know, I recognized it was an incredible opportunity, but it was still just, I don't know. I, it, I don't know what it was, but my attitude and kind of like the way I took it in was different than any other golf experience I've had. And I don't know, you expect like, you know, those greens going into it are, are kind of so unique, but, <clears throat> and we've all played false fronts, played Donald Ross greens and played greens with false fronts and things like that. And I've putted on greens that are running like 15 and stuff like that. But just, there's no comparison to those, whether it's fall-offs into bunkers or, or the turtle back, obviously, the, the design. And, and I worked on a lot of, like, chipping the second time around, and, and I relished it the second time around. It was so fun. Like, if I missed a green, even, like, on a par three or anything like that, I, I really enjoyed kind of chipping onto it and, and, like, the game of trying to get find the right spot and, and just hold the green. Yeah, and it's not that long, really. I think from the right, it's 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 a resort course, so they try to get you moving. And it's it was five hour rounds, I think, both times we played it, uh, which is again usually a, a big deterrent. But man, for me, I'm it was a casual stroll out there. Yeah, we got to wait a little bit, but man, I was in no hurry to get off that course, or and I didn't want that experience to be over in three hours. So, uh, but they do try to get you moving. So it only plays sixty three or so hundred <laughs> yards from the white tees, I think. Um, but I mean, as much resort golf as they get out there, it's kind of, it's kind of necessary, but, um, I, we, we took caddies both rounds and I thought that was yeah. totally worth it. Um, you have to, I mean, you have to just like the walk and, and the talk in between. It's like totally worth it. You just, you take in more of the course when you're walking, you have those idle moments to look around and appreciate it. I think it's completely worth it. And they were nails on the greens. Both caddies I had were <laughs> so good on the greens. And, and yeah. Get just helping you visualize some putts and stuff, so that that that's a must do. I and think. it's a super versatile course like that because, like you said, number four was like four seventy par four. Yeah. And then the next one's a par five that that can play a comparable yardage. We know par is just a number, but uh, you know it's super versatile in that way. Like I think even for the north south senior am, they had them playing vice versa. Like four was a par five, and yep. and five was a par four. Like it's just really fun and versatile like that for for even the, for the lower higher handicap yeah i think those that set that that four or five stretch is such an awesome stretch out there it's kind of yeah. its own little piece of the property but it is basically two par four and a half so like i right. crushed a drive on four and had to hit four iron in and then coming back the other way in the par five i had five iron in like it's just it is essentially the same it's they're two different holes but are the same kind of <laughs> level of par they give you one so-called hard one and one so-called easy one it does mess with your mind it really does i know pars we talked enough about it being a made-up number <laughs> But I just love too, like the rolling terrain between the holes and you essentially can set up tee markers wherever you want. There's not like tee boxes even there, which kind of surprised me. That sixth hole is got like over a hundred yards of just a big square where you could put tee boxes at any angle and any distance that you wanted. Um, and I just, I don't know. It just, it, didn't, it just didn't seem like a course that was carved out. It just was like a, and I know it was the design of Corin Crenshaw for that restoration. It just felt like this natural rolling terrain and, Man, it was just, it was, it was, it blew me away. I really wasn't expecting that much of it. I, like I said, I was expecting to get my ass kicked, but just did not expect to enjoy it that much. But yeah, so. a lot of great walks to a lot of great uh, walks from green to tea that are just kind of one piece of grass. You know, I, I love that where you're not kind of traipsing through the forest to get to the next tea. It just flows naturally from green to tea. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, anything else we missed from number two? I mean, not. No, I'm sure you'll cover it a lot with with uh, Big Randy, but 
you know, just kind of can't emphasize the, the totality of the experience, kind of the whole experience being just so fun. Yeah. Well, you, you, were, you were also fortunate enough to get to stay with me in the villas. We had the Reese Jones villa. Shout out to Andy. Um, and we, I think we both had the same exact initial reaction when we saw it. It was like, we don't, we don't have enough guys for this. Like this thing is perfect yeah. for an eight man buddies trip. And we, yeah, we, there's four rooms that are connected through this parlor and there's like two queen beds in each room. And it was it like this parlor had two TVs, a table, like tables with books and stuff on them, couches, like a, a bar and a refrigerator and rocking chairs on the outside and a putting green just outside of it. It was like if we if you had eight guys in that room, the party first of all would not would not be would not stop after thirty six holes, and it would have been an absolute blast. So next time we're there, we need to make sure we have a crew of eight. Yeah, we were. Yeah, I wouldn't say we were super lame, but we did not do the accommodations justice. You know, it was kind of like a quick two night three day trip. But uh, yeah, it, it, they they know what they're doing in terms of how to set everybody up. It was a scouting trip. Let's let's call it this. It was a scouting trip. We're we're right. going to be back. Um, we so we played three other courses there. We played number seven, then number nine, then number four. Uh, I want to break yeah. them down in order that I that I preferred them. I think we were pretty much perfectly in line with this. I don't like to rate courses, but but the Pioneers course we played fell out pretty easily for me. Number two would be the first, of course. Uh, then number four, then seven, then nine. Would you agree with that ranking? Yeah, I'd be I'd be right there with you. Okay. Yep. We didn't get to play number eight. It was closed while we were there. I know a lot of people were suggesting to play eight, and I hear the caddies say like number two is what brings you here, eight is what brings you back. Uh, would love to get out there, get back out there when when eight was reopened to go play. Um, but uh, number four, so four was an original Donald Ross that was uh, renovated by Tom Fazio. Uh, I think in the year, around the year 2000 reminded me, I think you even said it when we were playing it. Like, I'd be, like, I bet this is what Pinehurst two looked like before the restoration. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said that on like the third hole or something, just like Bermuda kind of through throughout, you know, wall to wall and, and not obviously not the, the kind of like waste area and wire grass and stuff like that. So, but so we got to see it. Now they're they're converting their greens from bent grass to Bermuda. So they had the greens were rather hairy for us. Um, they haven't fully made the conversion yet, and they're actually going to. Gil Hans is going to do a restoration similar to to create a landscape similar to that in Pinehurst Number Two. He's going to do this at Number Four. I cannot wait to get back yeah. and play that. That's going to be absolutely amazing because we both love the golf course. I thought it was a fantastic golf course. Some really fun holes, wide fairways. Uh, tons of width and angles, all that good stuff. Uh, the greens were, like I said, were not in great shape. Otherwise, we, we zoomed around that golf course in like two hours and forty minutes. Right. Yeah, we. I, I love that. That was it. Was like kind of a cooler morning, relatively for that week. Um, and like you said, the setup was was perfect. And and obviously, Hans has done some incredible like restoration work. Um, <clears throat> he's really become an expert at that. So, you know, seeing him put it back to what what kind of that sand hills look what it should look like um for that region uh will be perfect and <clears throat> it was weird we we really had so much fun when the greens were they admitted up front they're like hey they're a little shaggy they're gonna be gone in like a month we're kind of letting them go like they didn't really kind of like trick you into that they right. knew <clears throat> they kind of set it right up front like hey this is this is about to be ripped up in a month we just want you to see kind of the setup and the bones of it 
Um, and obviously, when you take out some of that Bermuda, some of that wall-to-wall Bermuda, <clears throat> a lot of that rough, it, it should be really cool because it's, it's got a good, good bones that they're already working with. it. And you loved it. I mean, you were <clears throat> you were kind of you know going crazy about it you you love the setup oh yeah like the 12th hole is a par five around it wraps around the water that was like a really great risk reward hole that's like five five oh it's only like 505 i think from the from the blue tees or whatever we played it at um it's just yeah some really really good holes and it was it was perfect like you said to kind of get get see that course first because i'm I'm dying to get back there and see it uh post post restoration because there's not a lot of courses that I've ever got to play that are that I you know that I've seen get remodeled or restored or renovated and get to see them before and after. So that's going to be a great one to get back to. But speaking of Gilhans, um, he's also building and it's all, it's going to be in play as of next month, I believe uh, a new short course, a, a par three course. Uh, that's just, I don't know what the direction is. If you come off, you know, if you're facing 18 green from the clubhouse, just to the right of it in this big property where I think they, they stole a couple holes from, the number three course, I think, but they essentially yeah, made a nine-hole par three course that also just looks like a the perfect place to settle your end of round bets or like a perfect nightcap place. Uh, and it's you're right there on the property, and like you can probably zoom around that thing in easily under an hour. Uh, that thing looks absolutely awesome. Yeah, it, it. I mean, we could only we took it in from like the the croquet lawns, you know, that line the. Uh, Line the clubhouse. We were kind of you could see how the bones of it and the, and the kind of the setup and and the routing of it, but it obviously wasn't finalized and ready to be open. But um, <clears throat> that's the thing about Pinehurst. I thought there's like a lot of different purposes, even without the the short course in yet. Um, like there, there's number two should just be like a total golf experience. I wouldn't advocate like going out and drinking a ton of beer on the course there hmm. you know I, I would kind of like try to play it and take it all in and then there are other courses for that where there's like you can get a ton of gambling and a ton of drinking going and obviously the short course will set up perfectly for that you know where it's like end of day everybody's a little loose uh <laughs> and kind of you can go out there with your beverage and, and kind of settle bets I, they i know they were pretty fired up about it when they were down there um trying to get that in and out and up certainly because fall is such a big season for them yeah, and right next to it, there's uh, they're basically following the Bandon model here, and it, it works so well, and it's and it's, it's it's perfect, for, especially for, I mean, for me when I look at a place for for travel, I think of for buddies trips, and and why this place fits so well is, like you have that the, similar to the Punch Bowl that the, that went in at Bandon. There's going to be a huge, and I don't want to get the number wrong, but like huge acreage putting green that is just astronomical that's going in right by the short course as well. So. I have a feeling this is just going to kind of end up being the evening hangout spot, that part of the property where after you're done playing for the day, you go putt around the huge putting green and go play the short course. But just uh, just great little ancillary things, you know, for a golf experience uh, that, you, that you're looking for when you're out there with your buddies. But I think you and I were both kind of just impressed with the overall vibe, too, around the clubhouse. Yeah. The rocking chairs that just sit outside. Uh, we kind of finished the round. We finished almost each day or every day that we could with a drink out there in a rocking chair, watch the rest of the players come in. It's just a laid back Southern living kind of vibe that uh, no one's, no one's in a great big hurry out there. Yeah. I, I talked to like a couple friends who've been fortunate to play like all the, some of all of the best courses in the world. And they all, a lot of them came back to me like that porch at number two, there's like no better scene in golf and, and just kind of, there's no better post-round spot in golf for a clubhouse. You know, we had just come in, and we were kind of scrambling, like, should we shower? Should we go into the village? 
what do you want to do? Because um, we, we, you know, we're kind of on the clock. We kind of just like, well, like, what the hell? Let's just get a drink. We had played a five-hour round. Like, what, what do we need to do? Should we get to catch a shower and get back? But we got got our drinks, went, out, went, went outside and kind of just hung out on those rocking chairs in front of the Payne, Payne Stewart statue. I mean, it sounds kind of like cliche to say it, but... I mean, it was, it was like the best scene. It was completely relaxing. One of the better scenes I've ever experienced. Uh, it just felt good. You had just gotten crushed, uh, shot a big number and you just want to kind of reflect on the round and talk about it. Um, and, and this is not, you know, me just saying nice things about Piners. It was really kind of, uh, an experience I'll never forget. And I'm glad we got pictures of it. And, you know, my friends who are pretty picky and played a lot of courses corroborated that. They're like, that that scene around that clubhouse, and they put in a new restaurant bar there, <clears throat> it's like as good as it gets, man. Just get get your vodka or whatever and go out and, and just watch players play up to the 18th, watch the putting green. It's just, it's just, and we were there like right at dusk as the sun was going down. It was, I'm really happy we have pictures of that because it was one of the cooler, cooler end of round experiences I've had. Yep, just went by too fast, but like I said, we're, we're coming back. Um, let's talk as well on courses number seven and number nine. So these courses, you do have to leave the property, jump in your car, and I think they would shuttle you to these courses if you if they, if if you wanted to. But we jumped in a car, went to number seven, which had just reopened because they just did a greens conversion on these. They went from bent uh, to Bermuda on these greens, and it literally has opened, I think, the day before we got to play it amazing to go play a course with almost no divots in the fairway and not almost not a single ball mark on the green um i re- I, I enjoyed number seven a lot i think it had a great look to it as far as the pine, the pine trees that frame it and the pine needles that uh it is a different vi- a different vibe than the courses that are on the actual property like two and four that we played um but really it was a it's a reese jones course that was built on top of what what was originally a donald ross nine hole employee course um, and it kind of has more of a country club feel than it does like a resort course, like, uh, Piners too. And, you know, you, you're just so many people around like in everywhere. This, this had a lot more private feel to it. Uh, really enjoy- we, we zoomed around that one pretty easily, had a good time. My uncle joined us for that round and, uh, had a really good time at that course. Uh, what was your overall impression of seven? I enjoyed seven. I, I, again, was not playing particularly well, but I had a good morning there. I'd say like, how, like I mentioned there, how there's all these different purposes. It, it feels like different courses have different purposes. If you're there on a buddy's trip, I would feel like this is one where you kind of like get a bunch of games going, get a bunch of bets yeah. going, maybe a uh, wolf hammer. I think familiar oh. with that. It's, it's one of your, something you guys have become uh, big advocates of in the last month or two. Uh, but things like that, like where you're kind of, maybe you do go out with like a case of beer, you know, depending on the time of day, but, I think that's kind of what it is. I didn't get like the country club country club feel. I thought it was, it seemed like pretty egalitarian. Like it was the the clubhouse was super unpretentious and simple um, compared to kind of the sprawl of of you know where you where you have four four or five courses for the resort. Um, it was just kind of like this this rural southern course. It felt like you know with this kind of really basic and unpretentious clubhouse. And then you get out there, and it's your your typical Reese Jones setup, and and you can have a little fun with it. Yeah, I did, it was not. It was I didn't definitely didn't mean to imply that it was pretentious in any way. It's just kind of yeah, it's quieter. It's just kind of set back. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Back gotcha. in the woods a little bit, and kind of winds through a nice nice neighborhood. Uh, but yeah, some really really fun holes out there, and and 
when you're going to go on a trip like this to Pinehurst, you're not going to play number two every single time. And it's important that the, the, I don't want to call them other courses, but the other courses essentially that you fill in with are at least more than adequate. You know, you don't want to be there, go to Pinehurst and, and, you know, feel like you're playing a course that's not worthy of being played. Seven easily fits the bill on that. I mean, I think it's, it's not, it's not going to demand that you play seven, but I, I have a hard time seeing you go out and not enjoy playing number seven if you're there. Yeah, I think it's you just got to know what you're going into. Like, yeah. you can't get spoiled by number two. I'm not saying it's a bad course, but number two is just a different experience. So, so embrace number seven for what it is and make it, you know, yeah. whatever. Kind of the, the fun games, buddies, you know, yep. buddies matches and stuff like that. So. All right. The final course we played was number nine. Um, I don't have, I'm not sure if I have the or sequence of events rights, but I think this was a somewhat recently acquired course from Pinehurst. It was a Jack, it's a Jack Nicholas course. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I in, really enjoyed number nine. I thought it had some really, really fun holes. The back nine was really great, uh, but it is a Nicholas course, and there was some very Jack Nicholas green complexes. And I thought uh, not not as much didn't affect putting as much, but just some super narrow greens that didn't really fit the shot shape necessary for the holes, and a couple kind of screwy water holes. Uh, but overall, I did I definitely did enjoy the number nine course. Um, but it just had a, a bit too much Nicholas for me. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely – it was golden bearish for sure. Uh, I think it's the only course that will have bent greens there once they rip up number four and put replace those greens. Um, I, I had a good time there. I mean, I just <clears> – <throat> that was the that was the end of a longer day <laughs> to be sure, and yeah. I just kind of, you know, took it for what it was and, and – throttled down a little bit and enjoyed it, got some beers and, and had a good time. I, I can't, you know, the, like I said, the green complex just did get a little Nicholasy, like you said. Um, you know, it was funny <clears throat> that, that was, you could tell was its own kind of had been its own course and set up and it was acquired. I mean, that had kind of more of the hulking big clubhouse and, and one of these courses you come across in, in, in some of these Southern, Southern States like this in, in the pines. But, um, yeah, it, I enjoyed it. It was it was a good, solid afternoon round. I, you know, had a, several beers and, and posted another high number. But, you know, it was funny. Like, the starter was like, these are the only bent greens. This is why you got to play it. it. Each course has, like, their own, like, whether it's, like, the cart guy, the starter. They're all kind of advocating for why they're the best. <laughs> I mean, number two doesn't because they don't need it. <laughs> number two did But every time we went to a course, it was like, oh, this is this is the member's favorite course. Oh, this is the only one with bent grass. This is this uh, this is gonna be in the best condition. Like every time, there was some guy, whether it was the starter, like uh, a marshal, or like the cart guy, was always advocating for why their course was the best. And we played four different ones, but it, it, I thought that was kind of interesting. The, the guy at number nine was saying, like, "Oh, this is the one best greens, best shape." You know, this is the only bet here. You got to play it. So, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I did I did enjoy the greens. Once you're actually on the greens, there, I did actually enjoy those greens a lot. But again, not not saying that this isn't. I I, I don't like ranking courses because I always feel like wh- whatever you put last sounds like a course I wouldn't play again. I would definitely yeah. play there again. There's just a couple. Yeah, I'm not an architecture expert, but there's a couple shots you hit. You're like, come on, man! Like that that's not the the shape of the, the this green should be, but. Uh, man, otherwise, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, but that was, that was a day, you know, we played seven to nine on the same day. And by the time you get to the back nine on, on nine and that heat, I mean, it was hot. It was 95 degrees, 90 plus percent humidity. It was, we were a little beat down after that, but, 
Um, man, that that brings us to the end pretty much. We went back out and played number two, but we've we've touched back on that on that one. Uh, we didn't talk about your hole out. You did make a hole out on what hole was that on number seven? Uh, it was 17. 17. Yeah. Hold out from yeah. 125 yards. No, 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 no. 16. 16. Sorry. 16's a part three, so it wouldn't be that. Wait, no. 17. It was 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 17. Sorry. I was just looking at the wrong scorecard. 17. You got it framed in your house yet? That, yeah. that big two with the double circle around no, it? No, I think that was, yeah. That was, I'm trying to remember. I've chipped in and made long putts, but I think that's the longest hole out of, of my rather, uh, undistinguished golf career yeah so, caught on video yeah. too that was yeah awesome. it was, that was perfect it was one of like three or four shots we captured another one was a shank that i took <laughs> right over the right over the camera that was on the front of the tee box i meant to chop that up and post that because if people are going to see your hole out they need to have seen what the rest of the week look like as well oh absolutely i'm not here to i'm not you know some cloak smoke and mirrors kind of guy put it all out there i'm happy to <laughs> Have my game roasted, as you'd say. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, man, I, I hope next time. I mean, I want to see it next fall. I think four is going to be renovated. I'm ready yeah. to go back there once that happens, and I want to play eight especially. And I want another shot at number two. Part of my soul is buried uh, under that 18th <laughs> green, I think. But, uh, man, that was yeah. uh, kind of blown away by, A, how many other courses were recommended in the area. I'm going to I'm gonna spend a few minutes here at the end talking about some other courses I played how many more yeah. I do want to play, but I mean, the Sand Hills area, it's, I don't think I fully understood the, the, the vast nature of the different kinds of courses and how many great courses there are in that area. And I think I got more recommendations on courses than I was, of course, I was able to check off. So, yeah, I've read, I've read a couple of books on Sand Hills, like growing up and stuff and knew that it was kind of this perfect golf, the home of golf, so to speak, home of American golf. Uh, but it's really kind of, mind-blowing when you're down there to figure out like all the options you could have um but it's hey can we talk real quick about your round at number two oh yes we can minus randy I, you were just talking about your soul being buried at the 18th green so yeah solly solly's like maybe the greatest waste bunker player ever at number two <laughs> he wanted to go in the waste bunkers more than the fairway i think because every time he did He'd send a laser to like three or four feet from the waste bunkers. And he started birdie birdie on your, the second round of number, round second time around number two, right? Yeah, birdie on the first two holes, like complete darts from the waste bunkers. It was ridiculous. I threw an eight iron to about a foot on the first hole, and then one to about six feet on two. I birdied both of those, and I, I thought I was going to break the record. I mean, I was I played it back too. Like it, it was uh, I don't know. I was vibing, and I hit like a well. Go ahead. You went you went out in thirty four, right? Yeah. And we were like walking to the tenth tee. The caddy, one of the caddies, like, dude, he should be like thirty two. He should be like four under. Like thirty four was kind of like the worst you could do, almost the way you were playing. Yeah, right? I, I had irons into both par fives. I didn't <laughs> didn't birdie either one of them. Um, and I yeah, like number four is four seventy five uphill into the wind, and I just like murdered a drive and murdered a four iron to twenty feet. Now it just felt like the all right. This is the day it's finally going to click, and it did. I mean, I I got a horrible break on eleven, and my ball came to rest on a loose branch in the bunker uh, that caused. Well, you hit in the waste bunkers enough, you're going to get bitten. So I, I I can't you know I can't act like I was aiming in the in that bunker, but I made double there, and then I got got it back with the birdies. I was one understanding on fifteen t, and then just pulled a went full Adam Scott. I bogeyed the last four holes, just a slow bleed, just one bad shot per hole. And once you miss on some of these holes, like there's no easy way to recover. And, uh, it was painful. It was really painful. It, 
I, it's, I hate finishing around like that, but man, that was some of the most sh- fun golf I've ever played. Yeah, you should be proud of it, man. It was the last four holes of a 90 hole jaunt in uh, three days. And I mean, you, you went out in 34. So, I mean, what the hell? I would be happy with the 75. I know the bogey, bogey, bogey finish is uh, something that will bother you forever. But I had to bring it up because I know Big Randy wasn't there for that second second round. But it was kind of impressive. It was it was a show to watch you play from those ways bunkers. Well, that's just that's what also just helped me add to the experience. And it's not, you know, it's not about the round or the number, but it's about getting to experience the course with when it felt like there's something on the line. Like for me personally, yeah. and kind of going through the challenge and the thought that goes through the, these holes and the strategy of where to leave it and what pins to take on and, you know, what holes to just fire at the middle of the green. Like you just get so much more of appreciation for it when you, your game is there and you get to kind of walk through that. So that's yeah. why it was just, that's why it was just so top of the notch for me was just, you get to get to see it in in that light. And, and from that perspective, it was so much fun. So yeah, I'm bitter about how it ended, but overall, <laughs> man, that was, that was one of the more fun rounds of golf I've played. So yeah. All right. I'll let you go. I had to bring it up though. I, I know. We, no, we, didn't I know. Bring it, we didn't address it. We needed to. I know needed to be, needed to be spoken about, but <laughs> Hey man, dude, get some, get some rest. Like you don't sound too good. I know you're having withdraw- <laughs> withdrawals over there from, uh, from from Pinehurst, but uh, we will do it again. I promise. Yeah, I know you're probably just sitting around sulking about this, but uh, I know I'll, I'll, I'll get back there. It's, it's an easy drive from DC. That's so true. I'll be there. That's true. You might want to start laying the groundwork with your wife. So <laughs> yeah, I'll need to do that. All right, All right <laughs> All DP. Right. Thanks for the time, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, see you, Chris. All right, that's going to wrap up conversation on Pinehurst. But as mentioned in the intro, wanted to debrief a bit on the two rounds I squeezed in at the end uh, at Mid Pines and Pine Needles. Uh, this was maybe a 15-minute drive from the Pinehurst Resort, um, and I, as as I always try to do when going to an area, I love playing, you know, at, at a resort like Pinehurst, but also seeing what other courses are in the area. I don't think I had a full appreciation for the depth of great golf that was within a shouting distance of the Pinehurst Resort. Uh, I think this is just even more of a selling point for taking a trip to the area. I don't really see it as necessarily competition for Pinehurst or any of these courses. I think the way the way it works is in, in speaking to a lot of people in Scotland about how they feel about surrounding courses. For the most part, people have an appreciation for what that brings to an area. It brings more people to an area. It brings just more tourism in general and it helps fill tea times at, at, at these courses. The fact that you, know, you can, I, I hate saying check off, but you can check off so many different experiences uh, and just, you know, with barely even having to jump in your rental car. So uh, Mid Pines was the first place I went, 7.05 tea time on Thursday morning. Uh, I had a recommendation from a friend of a friend and he heard I was going to Pinehurst and he was just like shook his finger at me like you have to get to Mid Pines like you do like promise me this Mid Pines and like when we said goodbye finally like pointed at me he goes Mid Pines make it happen I didn't like fully know what he was talking about didn't do a lot of research on it intentionally and wow I was I was blown away I mean Pinehurst was incredible but you know about Pinehurst so you know about number two you've seen it on TV Mid Pines I knew next to nothing man you talk about a vibe when you pull into this place so it's a 1921 Donald Ross course. Um, and regrettably, I never got to see it before the recent restoration. So uh, Kyle Franz is the was in charge of the restoration. He was a a shaper, I believe, or it was a, a member of the Core Crenshaw team that did the restoration uh, at Pinehurst Number Two, and uh, he had found some old photographs of the original Donald Ross layout. 
um, took the took photographs of the current how it currently stood. So it was restored in 2013, uh, but before that, it had pictures from from recently before that. Photoshopped in some what his proposed plan was for the for the re- restoration and then was hired to, to actually do it and I mean man I can't describe I wish I could have seen it before to even have more appreciation uh, when I do finish my wrap-up post on it you'll see pictures from before and after unbelievable I mean the 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 whole look and the the I don't know how to describe the look but kind of taking the rough out of a course working in waste areas with wire grass strategically into it it's not like it's just straight lines up and down the fairway and and, and you know it's not it's it's got it's got appeal to it it's got contour to it and it's got you know it, it gives you a look to it gives you a little bit of depth i guess i should say so like if you have a 140 yard shot there's a there's a chance like along the left side they're going to be bringing in the waste area kind of up near the green kind of into a bunker um and yet yeah it's not just like perfectly straight lines along the side of it i don't really know how to describe it without showing a picture uh as well but it's just un- unreal it, it just has the best look to it and it's almost like you don't want to hit it over there to, to mess up the perfect look of it but yeah it's just an unbelievable experience kind of that the way the whole course kind of sits within all these huge pines again it's an old course so these trees are huge and there's pine straw all over the ground um, and I, I, I was, I was again blown away. The first two holes are just so, so aesthetically pleasing. And I was playing really early in the morning and there was dew on the ground a lot. So my pictures didn't turn out even that great, but man, I mean, that was, it was a walk that it ended way too quickly. I think I finished in two and a half hours playing by myself and I was like purposely trying to play slow, taking pictures just because it was that good. I think you could easily walk it in three hours on your own. There's a guy in front of me that walked it in like two thirty, even shorter than I, than I made it around. But um, man, just blown away. I got to speak with uh, with Blair and Kelly, um, who manage the resort, and about. You know, I got to actually play a few holes with them across the street afterwards, and just talk to them about everything that's going on there. And I sat in that clubhouse and just actually did some work for about four hours. But that uh, that that vibe is like exactly my tempo. And I was just blown away at the the green fee rates. I mean, during summer for Thursday through Sunday, it's one hundred and forty five dollars, and Monday through Wednesday, it's one hundred and twenty five. Like, after playing it, if you'd have told me it was $400, I would have believed you. I mean, I, I legitimately could not believe that pricing point. Um, and I know it, it varies based on the month that you're there, and I, I wasn't there in prime season. Summer is a little bit outside of prime season, but uh, uh, unbelievable. I mean, it, you, I would check out their website, too. There's a lot of information on the restoration there. Um, and then across the street, so Mid Pines and Pine Needles are, are, are essentially one mini resort, if you will. Um, and, and sister courses and uh, have a small have a I don't know what the size of the membership is but it's mostly available to the public yet they do have members as well and I actually was lucky enough to play with a member across the street in the afternoon um, soon and, and totally different course so the pine needle sits sits a lot higher on in a higher piece of ground and uses uses elevation a bit more uh, than mid pines does um, I kind of bree- I breeze past breeze through mid pines but some of the holes on that back nine, especially there's a par five fifth, there's a par four fourteenth. Um, it's just so hard to describe a golf hole without showing it, show, saying the pictures. Um, that goes up like this really tough par four fourteenth, and then you drive up the hill for this par five fifteenth that goes down the hill. That again framed by the pines, but it's plenty wide enough to just kind of swing away. Um, amazing golf hole and some just some truly memorable holes out there. To hit a lot of different clubs, a lot of it tests a lot of different. Uh, clubs in your bag and I just can't say enough about how aesthetically pleasing it is and how perfect the greens are and 
yeah, the guy that played in front of me, I think somebody said that he, he goes and plays it every morning at 7 a.m. And I was like, that that dude has got life figured out. Uh, but across the street at Pine Needles, like I said, a, a lot more terrain, a little bit more elevation changes, and a, just a, a bigger feeling. The course is just, it's wider. Um, but Kyle Franz is also do, is still actually doing the, reno, the restoration uh, on that course. And he can still be seen on the grounds. And I was lucky enough, yeah, like I said, to play with a member. And, and then Kelly and Blair came out and joined us for a few holes. So just kind of picked their brains on, on you know, customs around the place and, you know, their favorite parts of the property. And there's like a stretch of holes from 11 through 16 that just get away from all the houses. That is just like totally like secluded and private, quiet golf that uh, was a pretty special stretch. But got a little fatigued uh, finishing that round. Didn't finish it very well. But, man... Just to get that 36 holes more of Donald Ross course that just this place had this extremely historic vibe yet had been, you know, the the restoration that brings you back to that, you know, kind of original how Donald Ross had pictured it. I don't, I don't, I'm still looking for more information on what happened between the original layout and, and what happened before Kyle came in and restored it. And again, I didn't get to see it before the restoration, but man, it was just seeing the pictures. I'm like, well, I'm so glad I got to see it afterward. It's phenomenal. And uh, everyone that pointed me in this direction uh, appreciated that because that was that was quite the experience and I think a, almost certainly a must play I will say certainly a must play if you're visiting Pinehurst or going to the Sandhills area if you're not I, I preferred mid pines over pine needles um, I, again it could have just been the order at which I played them the time of day I played them um, and my fatigue level but like mid pines is a hundred percent a must play and if you're there pine needles is across the street it'd be a crime not to play it that's actually why I stuck around too it's like I can't justify coming mid pines and not going across the street uh, and playing pine needles. So, um, yeah, gonna have more on this on the website. I already wrote up most of it, but I uh, want to get the podcast out first. But uh, just a lot of information and pictures about it. And again, we we definitely want to come back to the area. I want to see Dormy Club. I want to see Tobacco Road, and I want to see number eight at Pinehurst. I want to see number four after it's been restored. And I I need one more crack at number two because it's still part of my soul is buried under that under that course but man awesome awesome trip uh thanks to everyone that helped make it happen um and man yeah can't wait to get back to the area thanks again for tuning in thanks for everybody that sent in recommendations um and yeah if you listen this far the, the reviews have been dipping on the site on the on the on the uh on itunes which again i've been kind of all over the place and not been pumping out podcasts with the most regularity but feel free to get back in there itunes and i'm i'm, I'm making sure I, i'm saying this at the very end at 58 minute mark or whatever because only the diehards are listening this far, but uh, you know we could use a little bump in the rankings here. We're not. It, we gave away an epic driver once for like the the funniest rating. I feel like everyone's just sitting around waiting for the next epic giveaway, which I don't know if we're gonna do again. So feel free to help us out there, and uh, hopefully have some more travel stuff uh, coming up in September. Trying to make my way up to Sand Valley, actually. That's that's the hope. But uh, appreciate the feedback on all these, and uh, hopefully speak to you guys soon. Thanks. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect 